0: Rejection most times is the redirection we need to unlock our truest potential. Life puts us in some uncomfortable and unexpected situations despite our efforts and plans. So how do we look at failures as opportunities? How do we deal with life's uncertainties, identify some losses as wins, all while not labeling ourselves as total losers or failures? You'll find out right here on Redirection with Terry Carell. everyone we are back welcome to the redirection with tara carell podcast after going away for so long staying away for so long on a bad me up i accepted it i dealt with it and now i'm so excited to have episode one of season two the podcast this season is brought to you by mastercard in association with heineken zero zero yes we are bringing some friends along now i don't know if you're new to me that is fine you can find me across all social media platforms at terry carell is where you'll find me terry carrell reed is the name and of course if you're gonna be a part of the conversations please go ahead don't be afraid to use the hashtag TK Redirection. And in case you haven't noticed, we're doing big things for the first time ever. I have a set and this was beautifully created, curated, designed and staged by Spaces Jamaica. We brought in my favorites like books and art to really make the space uh, very welcome and very warm. And I hope that you love the set, but there is more. We also have sign language interpretation by the great Tony Aiken, because well, we want this conversation and these conversations to reach in all kinds of pockets and spaces in society and Inclusion is really, really important to us. I want to thank Toyota Jamaica for really coming on as a sponsor to ensure that that inclusion and that facilitation took place. If you want to find out more about me, the podcast, whatever it is, please feel free to visit terrycarell.com. Now, the question was, season two is supposed to be bigger and better. The question was, well, who do we kick off for the very first episode? Who did I think, deserved to be in the redirection seat for the very first episode. And I hope that you agree with me when you hear her story from someone who will readily and easily and openly tell you that she had a very rough childhood. She was probably or probably looked at herself as a very flawed and broken individual. Someone who persons would have probably met along her journey and said, she now got a mount to nothing and to see her not just surviving but thriving and ready to heal and ready to share a story that she's never shared with anyone else in the world. I am privileged, I am honored to have her in the redirection seat from having a broken childhood to now being the principal of a school where she's helping to shape and mold the minds of our young people. Ladies and gentlemen, I introduce and I welcome the great tamar McKenzie in the redirection seat for the very first episode of season two season two of the redirection with terry carell podcast is brought to you by mastercard in association with heineken zero zero hi t hi tamar hi terry what is that hi terry
1: because you know me and i feel like We have this type of big sister relationship Mm -hmm. and you big sister in when something is happening. I don't think people know that side of you.
0: Really? Yeah, no
1: matter how busy you are.
0: Thank you. You literally,
1: I remember a Monday call. Mm -hmm. He called me and he said, tell me. And he said, if you need me, I'm I'm here. I'm here. Absolutely.
0: Well, I I thank you. Season two is here. And the reason why, I'm not just going to jump into your story, but because, you know, you recently called and you were speaking to Alex, my executive liaison, and you were like- You are venting. Terry needs to come back with her podcast. The podcast is really good. Yeah. It has a lot of value. You remember the conversation- Yeah, and like, I'm
1: tired of listening to the same episode. <laughs> like, let's go, some more, please.
0: And you were like, um, why don't you do it for, for video and do it in yeah. a set? All of it was being planned. We just did. We couldn't let the cat out of the the, the bag. And he didn't. He He didn't. didn't. Um, It's interesting, though, how we met. um, Because I just launched my book, My Brand Compass, in 2022. Had some book signings. Mm -hmm. Toyota Jamaica was one of the the, the spaces, the locations. And I remember the line was from here to China. Mm -hmm. You were in the line and I saw you thumbing through my book, you know, like most people Mm -hmm. who are just waiting to get their book signed. But then when you got... To the table you no longer had one book you had you had like two 30. stacks yeah. yeah you had two stacks and your personality you were frank you were bold first of yeah. all tell me about that meeting
1: it was a for real you bo- so i came into kingston um for a meeting and i opened instagram and i realized that you were really close by and i said okay let me try it. let me see what this book is yes let me see if it's really a book because <laughs> I love to read but I love good content Mm -hmm. I love to learn and I came in I said okay let me support let me see what the book is (laughs) yes and I opened the book and I said wait this is good this is and I started flipping it and I thought you know a lot of thought went behind this this is something that can help Mm -hmm. and I said in the line I said I'm gonna buy a copy of this book for my friends for some of my teachers, for people who I thought needed these reminders, the startups, mm-hmm. um, the losing your way, the getting complacent, let me do the book. And I picked up like probably Waste of Chin. I and that's books.
0: how we met. And that is how we and met. And I loved Alex
1: because I'm not a techie pay online type of person. I Use cash. I have not transitioned, and he helped me. I mean, the whole thing, um, with the payment, and I just I felt like more of me. Mm -hmm. People like me were able to have a space in that book.
0: I appreciate it. Was it was very
1: raw and relatable and Thank I love you. that. And, and that's that is me. how we
0: and that's, that's how we met. Yeah. And we started talking and then Like we each
1: other forever and And
0: then it transitioned to Heinz Simonich, of which you are the, the principal. Tell yes. me about that. Um,
1: in twenty nineteen I went to, I literally left my I would say the safety of my life. Yes. To chase another dream and to start again. Because when I had my youngest and many people don't know this um, mm. I wasn't well mm. it was a very tough delivery pregnancy it was a very hard time and coming out of that I wanted to start again I wanted not to be pilled to that or anybody asking so how are you doing so why are you back at work already and That space, I think, opened up and a different part of me professionally opened up Mm -hmm. where I had to reinvent and I had to create. And I think that's one of the things that I'm very good at. I'm good at creating and um, creating new capacities. And I think that space gave me that honor of building or adding value to a legacy that was... And unlocking
0: unlocking new new dimensions. And in me too. And was it easy to was it easy starting over because it might be easy or something that you love doing might be to to create and to unlock. But is it always easy to, to start over or to, to try something new? no. And if if
1: many people I have lived a life of misunderstanding. If mm. I could sum up one word, so you may hear or you may have one brief interaction and you may use that. And I think all of us as people in all fairness, we tend to size up based on what is comfortable for us. Mm-hmm. And I had to find my own space. And I had to find my power as a person, as a woman, as a young wife, as a young mother, and reclaim my voice to not get caught up into this storybook of what it look, should look like,
0: or people's other, or people's yeah. narrative of you.
1: And I had to do it on my terms, and I had to create an experience of motherhood that I didn't learn as a child mm-hmm. with my mother. Mm-hmm. I had to do it. I had to create the expectations all on my own. And as a wife, I had to build from nothing. I didn't grow up seeing good marriages. I didn't grow up seeing, you know, people liking each other for real.
0: Yeah, so let, us, so let us talk about that then. Let us talk about the before and what you have experienced that has allowed you to navigate not just this world and this journey, but also discovering yourself to allow you to make better decisions for you as Tamar, as wife, as mother. Take me back to young, young Tamar. Um, what was growing up like for you?
1: I think that's hard to unlock because I've spent so much time trying to move past it. Really? It's not... Um, I posted something recently. Maybe you'd remember the first time you learned to ride a bike as a I kid. I do. I, I don't. Do. I did it as an adult. And one of my closest friends um, were buying bicycles for kids. Our kids are really close in age. And I think in passing she picked up, I didn't have that. And she bought a bicycle and put trainers on on it and she created a whole experience. And it was a breaking point because it wasn't okay. Like it's it's, it's the simplest of things that should have been normal, they weren't. Mm. And how I look at it, no. And it's not that you never get over certain things. But I've learned to lean into the goodness of people who have shown up for me and who continue to show up for me. And I've had to learn to forgive the the lacking, Hmm. the forgetting, and lean into that forgiving part of it because I found God through the people he blessed me with. He didn't bless me. Yeah, he showed up for me through his people. And even when I would step on them and I would say, you know, leave me alone or I would run. They kept holding me together. And that would be my one example. And I've shared it recently. A lot of people wouldn't even know that that would have been my story behind it. But I have so much friends who have mothered me. I have had so many women who have been sisters to me yeah. and who would have made up for the lacks
0: along the way. But Tamara but, but, but people might be looking at you and saying, but you're brown. I you're know. beautiful i've lived that. what kind of what kind of problems i and you know what you're like you had to be born with a, a gold spoon come on come on Tamara. you're in jamaica you're brown and you're pretty you want me to tell you something and, and, and you have the um as people would say pretty here what, what kind of problems you could possibly have Tamar?
1: imagine looking like this and not having anything to back it wow imagine looking like this and having so much potential but everything else that you're in the middle of all shines that i was born in a tenement yard I, from zero to nine, I grew up at 37 and a half Whitehall Avenue,
0: what was and that I made like? it. I what made was that it. Like? What was that like for you? I think- And did you always process and understand the environment?
1: I think a lot of me tried to hide that and tried to be what I looked like. And it mm. took, I am happy that I accepted me at the time when I did, and I can tell you, I was 22 years old. Mm. And I decided I'm gonna stop trying to run away from what I'm from because I can't change where I started. I can't, you can't fix your ground zero, you know. Mm -hmm. Your ground zero is going to always be your ground zero. But what I decided was that I was going to be proud of me and I was going to be enough for me Mm -hmm. and forget everybody else. The first date my husband and I went on was to that yard that I came from because really? I wanted to test him I wanted to see if this would shock him because he was so put together and if he, he could was accept so this
0: as a part of you and it
1: was a room with a bed in it and the lady who would keep me was there and I brought him for her she was the person that had
0: to pass him what were some of the biggest lessons you learned growing up in a tenement yard Biggest lessons?
1: Everything I need to succeed is already in me. It's nothing aesthetic. Hmm. It's nothing outside. It's guts, it's grit, and I have it. Everything I need to win is in me, and no one can take that from me. I'm enough.
0: Were you angry as a Bitter. child?
1: Why? And if you knew me then, that you, that you, we went to school together, and if you, Terry knew Tamar, yeah. the student then, it's not me, no. Completely I, different and, person. And if you try to bring me back to that, you can't. Because you can't bring me back there. I've left that time a long time ago. Why? And I'm not going back.
0: Why? Why the angle? Why the... I mean, you did mention earlier on that, you know, if you could sum up everything in one word, it would be misunderstood.
1: Nobody helped at that mm-hmm. time. I felt like so many people who should have helped didn't. And that
0: made me very angry. What about your parents in terms of, you know, we were seeing the different kind of modern parenting where we have parents who are having uncomfortable conversations, real conversations, helping to guide, not just study a book, pick up a book, read a book, but really trying to be there to affirm and to do all of these things. Is this something that you... I think my
1: parents are trying to be there for themselves. I think they were trying to... I think my parents did the best that they could have done at that time. Got you. On my way here, I called my father and I said to him, my father and I are very similar in terms of work ethic, beliefs. We we have a lot of similarities Mm -hmm. and then we have that point of...
0: The degree of separation. Yeah.
1: And I'm a very strong person. Mm -hmm. And I called him and I said to him, you know, would you be okay and he said to me please talk about it because i don't know how you have not yet lost your mind Mm. with everything that you have been through i don't he doesn't know how i show up and Mm -hmm. he cannot relate to the mother i am or the children that are growing up because of the pain you know but it is it's a journey and the best thing I think I've done for my adult self
0: mm-hmm.
1: is forgiving me and forgiving everything that, I, that, that could have or did play a part in crippling me, but owning the strength that I was able to find in me to stand on my two feet mm-hmm. and own myself and everything that makes me up, the good, the bad, the ugly, every piece of me.
0: Are you an only child?
1: No, I'm not. So I'm t- only
0: by default. You're only by default. So I'm the first by default. You're the, you're the first by default. Talk to me about um, your your sibling.
1: So my older sister was my person. Mm. She, w- I mean, she was seven years older than me, so it was that older sibling who would play that mother. Dool. Yeah, that, 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 yeah. And my older sister was sick. My high school life was one of the worst parts of my entire life. It's something that I've packaged. I don't go back to that space of high school at all because mentally I can't afford it. How old were you? My sister died when I was 16 years old. And she was dying before that. So 14 to 16 were... I don't remember, it's a fog. I remember the Saturday before she died, vividly. I can taste it. Jesus. And she died on a Tuesday. I was picked up from school. They brought me to the hospital, and I saw my sister dead, and I knew it, and I went back to school the Wednesday.
0: How come, how did you not mourn? How, was, why didn't you grieve? Why, I, where, is it something that you were expecting? So you, you were already bracing for it? Um, I wasn't allowed to. It. You weren't allowed to.
1: And I can say that no, because earlier this year, I started therapy, and my therapist said to me, it's not okay that you went back to school. It's and I'm not. sorry that you did, that, that you had to, and that you weren't allowed to. Process. N- said. And then I think when she said that... Um, I'm not going to say I broke a little bit. I broke a lot because what a lot of people didn't know or wouldn't recognize then was when I went back to school that Wednesday and I said that my sister died. Nobody believed me. They thought I was lying. Why? Because why was I at school? They thought it was a joke. And I went through those angry years of just chaos. And it's chaos because those feelings didn't, they weren't processed, or they weren't shared. And so you bought, and there was a lot of shame around her death, too, and I'm gonna say it. I mean, there are people who think that my older sister died from cancer, my older sister died from HIV, and that was the biggest secret. As a child, I was keeping, I was holding, and the shame of someone who you look up to as a sibling, you have to, it, it, it dies for you in some sort of way, and, At that time, nobody talked about that. That was the worst thing that you could talk about.
0: How how did you guys even find out? Because I know for even someone, and this is like years ago, but even for someone who is diagnosed with it, it can be so hard for them to even accept it for themselves and then to have to share the burden. Um, How did you guys find out? I
1: didn't. It was kept a secret. I found out by accident. There is no moment that I remember of um, someone telling me that this is happening and this is how we're gonna deal with it as a family. That didn't happen. Um, And it's strange now because every little thing I discuss with my kids to kind of manage expectations or to have them process the feelings around it, that didn't happen. I think I found out by accident. Um, And later on, I found out that she had wrote a letter and that's how my parents found out because she was afraid. And then I don't remember how they had processed it or... Or if they even did. I, I can't tell you. I'd be lying if I said to you, I remembered all of those details because again... My coping mechanism was to run, was to bottle it
0: and move. So you were were going to Campion. I was going to high school. You were attending classes, um, pretending to be normal, I'm assuming, because no one can know about this.
1: Nobody. It was the biggest secret because of the scorn and the shame. And one person at school knew it was an adult and it was... Not managed in the right way, Mm. I would say no, because I'm in education and I've made mistakes. I know that not everything is
0: done with bad intention.
1: Yeah. And sometimes you did. I mean, I've done things before. I mean, I started teaching kids as a child. I started teaching at 15. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I know now at the age that I am now that you do what you you do as best as you can at that time with the exposure that you have. Mm -hmm. And all of us have regrets, big regrets. So I don't look back on it now. With anger? No. I look at it now more thinking that, okay, if this happens in my space, I need to, mani- I need to use it right. in a different way. How,
0: how did you manage that process? I didn't.
1: I didn't. I'd d- be lying if I told you. It destroyed me as a person. How
0: did you manage your time with your sister and your interaction with I became the caregiver in the
1: last part. So there's a friend of mine, the only person that I went to school with who knew about it, LaPierre. He, I was skipping school hmm. the last two sessions because I had to go home to either change her or help her to the bathroom or give her something to eat. Because at that time, she started to totally... I watched function leave I watched life leave I felt the breaths as they started to slow so I can when I tell you I remember that Saturday before she died like it was I can taste it
0: How come did, you were the caregiver
1: I don't think Or I, you you assumed I had to that role I, I don't think I it wasn't by invitation I had to I don't know why I had to, but I had to.
0: Was she able to say anything to you?
1: There was a time when it was hard for her to speak, and so she would text, and I remember when she couldn't shout. I was always, and I think that's why I was always the shouter. Um, Those were 14 to 16. I don't know if anybody can relate to it, but I was screaming and nobody could hear me. And I was a child. So, I mean, there is not much you can say, but I literally, showing up and getting dressed was the win for me.
0: Have you ever spoken about this? No. How has it taken you so long? Or or why?
1: The first time I said I knew someone who had HIV was to my husband now. And I felt like he was getting too close to me, so I told him,
0: "What were you hoping that that, that would he would do? just
1: leave me alone? Why?" And he said, "I respect you so much more."
0: Why you wanted him to leave you alone?
1: Because I felt like when I met him, he loved me in spite of from mm-hmm. day one, and I hated that about him. Mm-hmm. He 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 loved me too much. It was too. It was just sick stuff. I wanted to not feel, and I felt like he took the time to, he wanted to unpack the meat. The whole one. you. Yeah.
0: The whole you. Yeah. Was it hard coming out to him and explaining to him that this it, has been a part of your life, that you have bottled up, tucked under your armpit, and you have not shared it? When it, I
1: met him on the 5th of December, my sister died on the 5th of December. <sighs> and that's why I think he was the first person at all. And he, just that it was a pause, and he said, I'm really sorry about that, but if you want to talk about it, um, he, said, yeah, he said, I realize you have not mourned the loss of her. And I said to him, I have. I went to her funeral. I, he said, did you cry? Did you actually process? And I said to him, I don't remember. Mm-hmm. I don't remember.
0: Years later, has the family been able to reconcile that she died of HIV? It's not cancer, it's not anything else.
1: I think there will be a lot of resentment because I've called it publicly. and Coming here, and since I've agreed to do this, my prayer has been this, and I'm going to be very firm on this. My story is mine to tell. Mm -hmm. My hurts are mine to heal from. And no one is going to take that from me because of how you want to feel or package. I have to show up as me, and I owe that to myself. And I have to be the the first example to my girls of what owning your story is good, bad, and indifferent. Because no one gave me this life but God. And He has given me the grace to not only and the grit. to recover, but he has appointed me in spaces to help. And I'll never take that for granted. People like me don't last this long. Hmm. or pain destroys us. And I'm one of the lucky ones. And that's why I've agreed to do this because there are people who they're screaming and nobody can Here hear them.
0: How do we identify it? You're an educator. You're, you're a principal at, at Heinz Simonich. You've experienced it. How do we arm ourselves with more, I don't know, just foresight to be able to identify youngsters who might be crying at the top of their lungs? But no one's hearing them. How do we add did anything change? Maybe that's what I'll ask. In you were in high school. This must have been impacting you. You were screaming at the top of your lungs. How was this being manifested even during high school? Was it attitude? Was it grades? No, it-, it was
1: it was it was anger, it was bullying, it was it was it was everything that wasn't good. But People would write it off as this is how you are this that's just that's just how she is. it wasn't but you're not realizing it's packing and packing and packing to hide mm. it's deflecting and deflecting and deflecting to not heal and I think and maybe that's why i i mean I didn't pick education. I started teaching people's kids because I couldn't afford to go to school what yeah, I mean. My father started out. I remember my father driving goods truck for Grace Kennedy as a kid and being gone because he had to take care of his family to him working and being able to buy his first house for his family Mm -hmm. and us moving to Portmore and then leaving the trucking business because he was robbed and having to pay back for the loss of the goods and everything. And then pulling himself back up to go into bus business and having multiple buses and brand new vehicles and that was the entrepreneur who was right. my who couldn't be the best father because he had to feed us. He had to chase his dream of surviving. Correct. And no script and no help at that time. He don't get alone. I mean, he started to get alone now, imagine back then. And that is what I'm from you know, and 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 as much as there's, and there are things, I mean, I've said that and you think that is the worst thing that happened to me, that journey with my sister, and it's not. There are things I hold close to my chest because I cannot verbally say it. Hmm. There are worse things that have happened to me as a woman that I can't say. No, as strong as I am, no, I can't conquer that yet, but I will.
0: In time. Yeah, and I have to give myself... I was just about to say you have to Take it in, in strides. Yeah. And I think if you have been through a lot of trauma or as much trauma as you have been through, you have to pace it. And you have to take your time and heal from at least one. And after you're able to confront it. Come up for and breath. Speak about it and you come up for breath, then you can now look to the other one and say, Okay, I will identify this particular trauma and I will work towards healing in that that, that light. So I think that's that's okay.
1: For me, doing this work and I think of it as my life's work and I've tried to leave education many times almost successfully I keep coming back because my lived experience has mm-hmm. given me this feeling it's like this sixth sense where I don't need you to tell me that something is wrong and I'm not the person who is going to ask you to talk about it because I think the worst thing that someone could do to me is ask me to talk about my Pain, mm-hmm. But I'll help sometimes up front or sometimes from afar. Who taught you to
0: love? Who taught you? To I love? think
1: the first time I felt unconditional love was from my husband. He loved me in spite of me, mm-hmm. and I think that was the first. At twenty, I met him when I was twenty-two,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and dodged and twenty-three was a defining year for me as a person.
0: What made it defining?
1: Because he deliberately opened a space Mm. for the anger to leave. Mm. And it was through his actions. So he became an example. And I think that's why I hold him in the regard that I do because people like that don't slow down for people like me. And that is one of those things that, when I tell people that my marriage is my priority, and it is, it's like a lifeline. To be married to somebody that you look up to, Mm. who is that example all the time, that you've never had as a man, as a person, you you don't take it for granted and he will say if you know him he'll say it's because of who i am to him yeah it's not
0: it's not how do you then deal with not enoughness growing up feeling maybe just like a weirdo you don't (laughs) fit in you're not of this world you're not from this world nobody gets you nobody understands to the point where you are now required to release, right? In order for you to learn how to love and to allow yourself to be loved, you have to actually allow yourself to be vulnerable. How how were you able to do that?
1: I'm not fully able. Releasing is a process.
0: Mm. You don't
1: end up there. Mm. Forgiving is not a one-time thing. I have to forgive myself daily.
0: Mm. My
1: past has to die daily. I have to wake up every day and I have to tell myself I'm not there anymore, I'm Mm. not that. I have to relearn the me now, and I have to show up in this me because so many people are counting on me. I have so many people who depend on me to show up in my right mind every day. Mm. And it's hard, like I have to, one of the, the, the net results of that type of come up or that kind of Upbringing or trauma is this unnecessary aggression that I have. Mm -hmm. I'm very aggressive. I'm always in fight mode. Do you think it's an overcompensation? Of course. And a defense mechanism? I have so much to protect, I have so much that I
0: can't. Allow you to see. Mm. Did your teachers, um, as you were saying, like in school, the bullying started? Was it that you were the bully, I or was, you? Of course, you were the. I bully. was the bully. The so story. there are people right now who will, if they heard your name or saw oh, your face. You probably,
1: and I would listen. Let's let's. I'll, I've said this to you before. <laughs> me now didn't like me then, you know. Why? So if you are upset with the me, then I am too, hmm. and I've had to carry that. But one of the things I'm not going to do is allow an adult to destroy me now because of what the child me did. Mm. It's not that I'm not prepared to take responsibility. I've taken responsibility. But what I've done with that responsibility or that ownership of it, I'm leaving a trail behind of goodness. And Mm. I'm leaving a trail behind of helping. Mm I don't pay it forward, and you know, I pay it back because I've grown on the backs of so many people who have helped me, so yeah. I know some people know when you're in a position to help you, say you're paying it forward, I pay it
0: back any uh, any and teachers while you were in high school who you know you would have interacted with um and you know you said you had this anger, of course you're acting out, of course you're rebelling, of course, you just have a lot that you're carrying um, were there teachers who Affirmed you versus teachers who was just who were just like you see this girl, done. She na, she's done. She's not she gonna make it. She nah to come to nothing. She either go end up with belly. Yeah, or yeah, 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 yeah. A drop out, you I know. Was told I
1: was going to wash people clothes and kick stone. A teacher told me that. Excuse me. And I saw him at the gas station, and I went out and I said to him, sir, I didn't. I was driving a brand new car. I'll never forget it. And he said, who gave you that car?
0: stop it
1: and I laughed and he pulled over and he said he hugged me and he said Tamar I am sorry and I said to him you don't need to say you're sorry I would say that I said to him I teach now I think it sometimes God forgive me you're human (laughs) I mean we're human we think things we shouldn't think but I said to him I'm happy you called that Mm. because in you throwing that out there It propelled me forward like you'd never imagine. Mm. I was never going to. I said to him, if it's one thing I was never going to do, was kick stone and walk road. Hmm. That's going to be something.
0: How were you able to not become a statistic? And the reason why I ask this is because you're in a very unique um, position. You are around students. You are around children. You understand the conversations. You also understand the climate. You understand statistics. You understand the impact of socioeconomic factors. You understand the fact that language and words matter, especially when it comes from people who have influence over children. How is it? that you did not become the statistic the girl who didn't a student a teacher says that and chances are based on the history she does that what what made you get out
1: first thing i'm gonna say i always knew i always felt this fire in my belly Mm. and when things were always going wrong i felt a little fire in my belly
0: Mm.
1: and when my sister died I told myself that I was going to be something. Because of the shame on my family, I said that my father wasn't, my mother wasn't, that wasn't going to be it for them. Like I I had to be somebody. I had to have something. And the something for me was I wanted my own thing. That was a big part of my push. So when my sister died and things started to cripple and things started to break, the opportunity was created by someone that from church Mm -hmm. and i mean that lady probably now don't even realize how much she gave me a jump start she was my jump start what did she do she had a daughter and i was teaching her daughter on my mother's veranda and her daughter was going to an after school program and she told the owner about me and the owner gave me a job so i would walk from high school Campion. Yeah, I would walk from, that's how people started calling me Auntie Tamar. That's where my career started. At 15, 16 years old, I would walk from Campion to work at the stoplight right at TGI. There was a after-school program and I would teach Monday to Sunday. Saturdays, I would leave Portmore by 6.30 in the morning, jump on a bus, go there, teach until 5, 6 in the evening, go home and be a student. Sundays, I would go to church. And, well, I was raised as a Jehovah Witness. Yes. I would go to Kingdom Hall on a Sunday because that's non-negotiable. Do our of field service because, again, that's non-negotiable. And then um, go to work and then go home and be a student. And that kind of was the balm that allowed me to not feel the loss of... Everything, the
0: world that was around you.
1: Yeah, I lost something that I never even had. And I think a lot of people who thought I lost my sister didn't realize that I lost way more than that. That was just that moment you saw. That Mm. was the funeral you turned up to. I was already losing. Mm. I started at a net because if at that time and with what I just said with the space I was raised in, your oldest who was also in that space as a family that being outed Think about the next girl child, not just the child, the next girl child coming up and that shame. I would walk into spaces and hear people say things like, I hope she don't turn out like her sister. Jesus. And that was was something to me that was more painful because if I could tell you how I felt, I would say to you for many years, I felt unwelcome.
0: And in that period of time of you feeling unwelcome, did you ever have any thoughts? And I acted on it once,
1: and it didn't work. You're kidding me. Yeah, I um, and that's one of those things that, I mean, I, I wouldn't even go into, but... Um, I remember feeling like I'm not needed, like... I remember distinctly crying out and saying, God, why did you bring me here if this was the life? Like I would be so resentful. I remember going to Pegasus as an adult, probably a year or two ago, and I was watching it was it was like a conference and I saw this lady, well known lady in our local space and her father. And her father and I were talking after the show and everything and I said to him I resent this relationship that you have with your daughter. Like, I've always... And he and I had a great talk. Yeah. And I said to him, growing up, I remember seeing parents show up for their kids like this, and I would hate it, because I would... I was deputy head girl in primary school. I was on the debate team. I was in Builders Club. I was in this. I was in that. And I was there by myself. And people don't realize the young achievers who want to be who are trying to be but you're the first Mm. to be. Hmm. And then those who are able to do it with support, we have this way of being unwelcoming because we don't create space all the time for everyone because whether or not we want to say it, and I've earned it, so I'm gonna say it, we have ideas of the people who should have, hmm. or the people who should be, or the people who should be able to want a certain type of success. And people like me weren't a part of that. that plan. This, yeah, and I'm sorry, but I have to interrupt it because what I know is in me, that's all I have. And that's what I'm banking on to come out. And so this fight that I have in me as an educator, And people have to understand, you know, the me who look like this, yes, I work in a school, but education is what I do. It's not who I am. I'm the sum total of everything I've been through, Mm -hmm. everything I've gotten over, getting over, the working on. The
0: deep work mm -hmm, that continues.
1: And I did it. And I have to be proud of that. And I cannot afford, because I don't look how you want a principal to look, and I don't sound how you want a principal to sound,
0: that I'm not going to be me. We're going to get to that as well, because I wanted to know if your trajectory and your journey to education, if you think the springboard was um, because you started teaching, or after you came out of school, did you decide, did you want to do anything else? Yes,
1: but it didn't make me jump out of my bed. This what I do for a living, it wakes me. I want to do it. I run to it. I can't tell you why, but I know a lot of why I'm on this earth. is mm-hmm. because that's where I should. I love it. What I can't was do anything before,
0: else. What was the thing before um, education? Nothing. Nothing. I
1: wasn't a person before I found this. I was not alive
0: did you ever wonder if you would be able to did you ever wonder if you would be the right person yes to help shape and mold yes, even now and you have the based on what you're
1: yes, yes yes and the self-doubt tells you you could never do that because if people knew you went through that or you were that from, kind of student or mm. you yeah because I wasn't the brightest either I'm bright you know but I was never the bright. you went to Campion so you get it you come dead last with an 80 average, with 89. With 88. Yeah. Come, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I'll tell you three people who created this me or who breathed this life into me mm-hmm. as educators. Please do. Radley Reed.
0: Ha! Huh. Vice, uh, Vice principal at the time for me at Campion College.
1: Father figure for me. Sir Radley Reed. Miss Barrett. As a disciplinarian, Sixth she was an aunt home. for me. Hmm. She wasn't she was vice principal. T- she would shout at me in public and hug me in her office. Hmm. Nardia Mandison was like a rock. Nardia Well, I know Miss I know Miss Barrett, Mr. Reed. Miss Mandison was my history teacher. Okay. And she was she became A family friend because I started to act out. Yeah. And she spoke to my father. No, she spoke she spoke to my father and she said to me that I should be proud of him because he couldn't do any better. And she said to me, she said you can't measure what you want from your parents based on what you're seeing around you. It's two different things.
0: Wow, say that again.
1: She said, I cannot have the expectations of my parents based on what I'm living at school with other people's parents because they never got that start. What and did I do she, for you? She made me, that was the first time I was proud of my parents as parents. And I recognized what their achievements were and how big it was for them to have pulled themselves up without help on their own and create this type of life. Mm-hmm. I mean, even now I'm proud of them. hmm I'm, I'm proud of what they have built and i think that we don't honor those stories
0: what do you think people continue to misunderstand even though you have done the work and you are still doing the work to transform who you are and to evolve into the woman you are today what do you think people still not get
1: i don't want to be rude but i would not be me if i didn't answer <laughs> that this way I can't process that, Terry, because Mm -hmm. I've learned that's not my responsibility. Oh, that's an answer. I can't help you to get me, and it's not your job to get me. Mm. If our light aligns and we connect, I'm grateful. But if we don't, I have to keep it moving. Because there are so many people down the road who need me to get down there to help them. So I can't allow your feelings to interrupt my journey or I can't allow it to get into my head. I have spent years with people in my head, mm. and I've found my voice as a person. I get to show up as me every day. If, I mean, if you are in my space, Terry, you would know if the, the the beauty in me is when you see me in my element doing my work. And if you can't respect my work, Mm-hmm. this is my blood sweat and tears if you can't get on board with what I do for a living and the passion that I have and that my intentions are good and I genuinely want to help I'm not I'm that's not, not a- my that's not it's not my problem and you're not my people it's, you're not and my people and, and that's, that's not my okay problem and that's okay because I've won so much already if I don't win anymore I'm grateful. I have to put my hands up and say thank God.
0: Amen. Let me ask you this. Because you are outspoken. You are.
1: I've learned that.
0: You've learned that.
1: And I've learned how to manage that. Tell me about that. Because a lot of times when, and I think before, when I would be, or you would, would, it was mean. I'm not going to say you would think i mean. Because I think I was mean. Mm -hmm. And that part of outspokenness I was hurting. Mm-hmm. And those were the cries. And people don't teach you how to feel.
0: So you said what you had to say and it, really it, and it didn't really matter where you dropped. And I really
1: didn't want you to come closer to. So that was my way of keeping you out there.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Tell me about being this person who is bold, but more conscious about the boldness and how, and how difficult it is to be a woman I think, a West Indian woman who now knows what she wants and to find the right kind of partner who is not intimidated, who is not threatened, who is not trying to call you, beat you, push you in one corner, compete with you, tell you too much. Yeah, talk to me about what you have learned from relationships, the red flags, and what you now know about what you need. I'm going to
1: start with this. Being broken as a child... Mm or being destroyed as a child shapes your experience. And I think I'm one of the lucky ones because I then told myself and there were years when I was inching it. I was steps away from everything crumbling. Mm -hmm. I told myself, and my prayer every day was, I didn't have a childhood, but my adulthood would be great. I'm gonna make up for it. And that was what I committed to. Cool. And every time I ended up in spaces that were not, where my, that fire in me started to dim because I could feel it, I would leave the space mm-hmm. and I would pick me. Mm-hmm. And I told myself that people didn't pick me who should have picked me, who owed it to me to pick me. So the only thing I could do for myself as a person, to pick me. Hmm. And even bad relationships, my husband was not my first relationship, mm-hmm. first good relationship, but it wasn't. But when I met him, I I remember that week when I met him, I cried out to God and I said, there must be a man who wants a good woman. And I know I can't be a good woman, and not a good woman yet. But I know that there is somebody who could value me. And my prayer for that time was, I need to find my person who is going to come on board my life to make me win. I needed somebody to invest in me and put me first. I never wanted a 50-50. Mm. I wanted somebody to help me get my purpose out and who wasn't and afraid. And you thought you were
0: deserving of it. I had to
1: have it. it didn't even, I didn't deserve it then. When I met him, I never deserved mm. that. I wasn't a good person then. Mm. I can't say that. I know where I am now, but I knew I had to have that. And that's the thing with connecting with you if it's one thing you can do for yourself because only you can do it for yourself get to know you and fight for you don't stay in spaces where you can't breathe and your chest is tight and you're crippled because of everything around you and you stay bet on yourself and throw everything in the air because it's going to kill you anyway Hmm. so just walk out in the road and take your chances and i think that's what i did I love it. And I told him what I needed, and I was very clear in, even when I didn't know how to say it, I would fight it out. Because as a young girl who never saw healthy relationships,
0: yeah,
1: you fight in your relationship how you saw people fighting. Of course. And I did That's that. your normal. I did that. It took me five years of marriage to realize, to learn to be a wife. I think after five years, hmm. started to settle down, and I said, okay, I can do this now. Because hmm. I didn't see that. I never had lived examples of that.
0: What's the, what's the biggest lesson you've learned in, 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 in marriage? Yeah, Your biggest lesson?
1: Being naked hmm. with your truths, your needs, and saying it. And never being afraid to flip the page and starting over.
0: Hmm.
1: Sometimes we flip the page and we start over with different people but we haven't done it with ourselves and it destroys our relationship. Mm -hmm. So you keep starting over with different people, but you have not shown up as yourself. So you're still masking? Right. And still pretending? I think why I'm able to have that home space, which is why maybe I'm one of those people who it doesn't bother me if I step into a space and you're fighting me because I am so validated at home. I'm so honored at home. I feel like in my home, I am king. I am... I am wanted, I am deserving, I am taken care of, I am cherished.
0: How does that feel now? To to experience and to express how you feel now versus...
1: I still have to come to terms with accepting this life. I wake up and I have to... Sometimes I wake up at home and I look around and I have so much space and I have to remember that I've worked for this and this is my restoration and I don't try to dim me because I'm trying to balance what I've been through to what I have. It's very hard for me now, Mm -hmm. especially materially. My husband will give me a gift and I keep it in the box and I hide it. Really? Yes. Why? Because I don't think that people, I feel like I'm gonna lose it or I feel like I shouldn't get comfortable with it Mm
0: -hmm. because
1: it's not mine these good things don't happen
0: to me. Do you open your gifts faster now?
1: He, as time it. has, yes, yes, <laughs> he has. and he'll say to me, "Wear the this, enjoy it. You have to." And he said, you "Remember, there are other people counting on you to have this, so they know that they're gonna get it too." Correct. So it, it is big a, on that.
0: It is. It is. It is proof that it can happen. I have two two last questions for you. Number one, having gone through a lot some of which you have chosen to share with us. And I want to thank you for sharing your story with my community because I know that these stories always impact and they resonate on a very deep level. Um, What is a priceless moment? What is a moment that when you hold your head back, you close your eyes and you think about it, you consider it to be one of the most priceless moments that you have experienced?
1: Wow. Wow. It happens a lot Mm -hmm. it's in my mothering it's seeing my kids at four and six speak their mind I'm tickled I am so tickled that the me that is not so confident the me that tries to bury so much have these girls who are so strong Mm. who have these I've been able to create something so much better than me, because they are. And that's the biggest win. That No, that is that is the part of my story that comforts me, that there is something good in me, because when I look at my kids, I'm proud that someone who started in a negative, they're gonna be whole people. They're <laughs> gonna be strong people. They, I mean, if you see them or you know them, it's I did that their dad and I did that you did that the female in me that is so broken I'm helping with these two girls I mean that's something that it, it it's crippling it's therapeutic it's it's forgiving it's this grace that I wake up in and I cherish it
0: beautiful answer and i just want to let the girls know see um auntie terry has now uploaded new podcast episodes because i know you've been telling your mom that i need to upload new podcasts because mommy keeps on playing the same, the same old, old, episodes old episodes in, in the, the car like, so see we did a thing my yeah. last question to you uh because the the name of the podcast is Redirection, mm-hmm. because we are redirected. Some of us, we start off shaky like you, and now it's redemption, right? It's mm-hmm. our time to not only shine mm-hmm. for ourselves, but to pull other people along uh, with us. What's your definition based on your experience? This is your lens, your perspective, your opinion. What is your definition of redirection, and why is it important?
1: Redirection for me is courage, because for you to even redirect, you have to, be, you have to find that inner strength and nobody can find that. I would have had to pick myself up out of this hurt and shift and allow the people helping, because that's great humility. So when you're ashamed, when you're so ashamed of who you are and what you're in, what I mean, I lived a shame that wasn't even mine. Hmm. I was buried by a story that I didn't even do anything wrong, that wasn't my wrong. And I decided that HIV wasn't going to cripple me. And I'm not going to be ashamed of it because so many good people experience bad things and it doesn't have to stop you. You can use that hurt and that pain and that circumstance and shift into something else if you have the courage to fight for you. And that's what redirection is. I get up every day and I fight for the what is in me. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to bring that out in spite of everything
0: else. I know I just said that that was my last question, but I'll leave you with this. What do you think, if your sister were still alive, she would think about the Tamar of today?
1: When I know following this, I'm gonna go cold for a little bit. Mm. Because when you asked me to come here, I I recognized I have not mourned the loss of her.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Because I wasn't allowed. And this space has forced all of those feelings to come in and I'm gonna feel. But if she were here, and I think she is here, and I carry her all the time, I think she's smiling, and I think she's grateful. And sometimes I feel like I can hear her say to me, it had to happen and I'm happy it happened because this you wouldn't have been born if I didn't die. And I hold that. When my sister passed, so much of me, I remember sitting in at her funeral and I died. I knew my life was never going to be what? I never had dreams of a life that I, I never dreamt of. I just didn't want to be.
0: Yeah.
1: And as I grow and as I learn and now as I heal, I know for sure that she's happy. I didn't waste it. I didn't waste her pain. Mm. And the others that I find at school and in life who may resemble her pain or who I may see going that... Because her end, it wasn't a snap. It was years of...
0: Transitional, a, yeah.
1: And trouble. And when I tell you, there are cries I heard my mother cry when she was growing up that I wouldn't wish on anybody. Mm. And I'm happy I never wasted those lived experiences. And I'm able... To see, because when I look at what I do and the, the soft touches that I have, it's instinct. All of my pain would have given me the feeling that I have to and detect and, and to help. And I wouldn't, I would, Terry, I wouldn't be, I'm in education because I told you Mr. Reed literally endorsed me. I was Auntie Tamar at 15 years old when I wanted to teach people's kids. Come in, imagine that me. Would yeah. you send your kids to me? I was a kid. <laughs> and he said to me, you're going to make it. And when I go into board meetings and he's there, he endorses, he affirms me and welcomes me and pulls out the chair and he says, I am happy you're here to help the to table. make decisions at because the table. this table needs you. So imagine there are people who would know me then, who may have taught me then, who are at the table, who push the chair away. Sometimes I feel like they kick over the table. So when I sit, the table doesn't exist. And my principal affirms me publicly and thanks me for not giving up and not leaving education, but trying to leave it better than I got it. And that encourages me.
0: T, I'm proud of you. I don't know if you hear it enough. Uh, It takes a lot of courage to confront anything. Uh, And then it takes a different kind of courage to then say, I'm going to share my story. It's a different kind of vulnerability. And you're not just doing it with me, just between the two of us, but you're doing it for other people. Um, And I hope that you will take that time. I know that you will take the time. Um, I think it's better late than never. I think now maybe is the time for you to be able to process, know that you've actually seen what has happened and how you've been able to manage it, but to still give yourself that space to release it and and to let it go. Absolutely.
1: To all of the little girls, I would say to them regardless of where you're starting, what has happened to you, and what you're going through. It does not have to define you. We can win. Your address will not stop you. I am here. Your starting will never be an end. And this pain, it's going to be that power that pushes you. Don't give up on you and never stop fighting for you. And there are partners out there who will fight for you to win. So please stop smalling up yourself. You don't have to be the quiet girl. You don't have to be the silent one. You don't have to be the graceful one. You don't have to be anything but you. Mm -hmm. You can be the me. You can be loud, you can be confident, you can be powerful, you can be aggressive, you can fail a little bit, you can fail a lot. And they're there out there where they're gonna come and surround you and push you forward. And you're not going to have to compromise. Mm. You don't have to compromise. The great marriages are there. They exist. Do not settle. We need to stop settling. We don't, it exists. The partners who are there, who are going to show up for you, they're there and they're waiting on you so stop staying in spaces that you're not welcome
0: and don't settle in those spaces don't that do not serve you
1: from you feel unwelcome and you feel like the 100% you is not turning up leave it pick thank you. you have the courage to just shift thank and i'm you. happy that i shifted when those spaces kept smalling me up
0: thank you t thank you i mean i i don't have much to say After that, normally I would do some sort of wrap up, but I think um, everything that you said was just so honest and so raw and so authentic. And to the community, to those of you who might have been watching it on YouTube or those of you who might have been listening across your preferred uh, podcast uh, platforms, thank you. And if there's anything that resonated with you, please feel free. Let us hear from you. Let's get the feedback. Let's get the reviews. Let's get the comments. Um, Share. Share. Um, There's power in sharing and there's power in sharing our stories. And so for those of you who are healing, those of you who are not yet on the road to heal, those of you who have not yet identified that there is a process that you probably are going through, it's okay. It's okay. Pace yourself. It's not a competition, but certainly I hope that this conversation and this message is one that will get you to a place when you say, (sighs) I'm I can breathe and I'm ready not just to take on the new me, but to really let the new me out and bad and shine and be proud of it. So I thank you. I thank you, Tamar. I love you so very much. I appreciate you and everything that you do. Um, and I'll see you guys next Sunday on Redirection with Terry Carell. Bye. Thanks to our partners Mastercard, Heineken 00, Toyota Jamaica, Spaces, Commercial Concepts, Breche, Beauty Brands by MDS and Go Shore Courier.